Wait, am I talking today? Is it my turn? Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime on Easy Street. We're doing this again. Uh, my name is Scott Wright. I'm a mediocre journalist. Kelly Turner, not a doctor. Katie Givens, not a lawyer. Okay, so we just got back from Savannah, right? Katie and yeah. I and yes. some friends of ours. We took a we took a break for Katie's second 29th birthday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I'm not sure how much of this story is actually going to make it into the episode because Katie is the producer and the editor of everything that happens in the studio. Yes. Yes. So and you're the you're the director of the show, Kelly. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of the I'm the weatherman. I I show up for five minutes at the end and <laughs> if I get it right, everybody's amazed and happy. I think you're much more, but go ahead. I'm a, but I'm a pretty good weatherman. You I can are. point yeah. with the best of them. So your motherly influence, and I mean this in the nicest way, was missing from our trip to Savannah last weekend. Aww. And it, w- w- the kids ran crazy while you were gone. Oh, no. Yeah. And I hate that I missed it. We had a really good time. The weather was the weather was hit and miss, but it was still, it was comfy. We did a lot of walking. Savannah's a walking city. I oh, had yeah. never been before. Katie and Shane had been uh, several times before, but it was my first trip. And so, but don't feel like because you weren't there that your name did not get mentioned. <laughs> oh, no. Because it did. Oh, no. I'm yeah. afraid. So, <clears throat> you know how- I'm uh, afraid. <laughs> yeah. You know how in Seinfeld, Elaine Bennis has the vault where she keeps all of her secrets and Jerry figures out that the combination to her vault is liquor? Yes. Okay. Well, the combination to Katie's vault is uh, the third glass of wine after dinner. Nice. And okay. so, uh, <laughs> at some point after that, what happened was what Shane likes to call, I found out, the airing of grievances. Oh, yeah. That's like Festivus. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, she had a couple of things that she wanted to get off of her chest. Oh, and no. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. The I'm headline very afraid. Is, <laughs> no, the headline is, Katie likes Kelly better than Scott. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not so afraid anymore. <laughs> no, I was afraid because Shane was like, I um just get to talking and talking and talking yeah. and I had been done talking to Shane and I was ready to talk to Scott. <laughs> and apparently I told Scott that I liked you best. Uh-huh. I yeah. love that. Yeah. And um <laughs> Yeah, it was great. Ruined my whole trip, but it was great for you. <laughs> Shane was like, uh, there's no telling what he's going to say on this podcast. And I said, well, good thing I do all the editing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why he's Anyway, I we had a it. great trip. That was my Savannah story. So awesome. We did not make it to the uh, Prohibition Museum. I know. I decided to swear off Prohibition for the entirety of the trip. Yeah, might as well. So I'm told, uh, they told me in the car on the way home that I had a really good time. <laughs> Savannah's a great place to yeah. throw prohibition to the wind. <laughs> well, we it was scattered hither and yon. Along with your caution. Yeah, yes. just throw it all. It was it Well, was I'm all glad gone. you guys had a great, had a great time. Did yeah. you guys do any ghost tours? You know, no. there, it's like the most haunted city. Some we people saw say a lot New of Orleans. Them. They were passing us constantly. The ghost, <laughs> all the tours, yeah. yeah. The yeah. Tours, yeah. yeah. But we did not do They're that. They're a lot of fun. Okay. They're a lot of fun. I'm just, you know, I'm not much of a ghost person. I guess we're going to talk about ghosts of a sort here today. I mean, I'm not sure maybe. how much of a ghost person I am. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's a ghost. Um, yeah, some people argue: is it Savannah? Is it New Orleans? Is the most haunted city in America? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've been to I've both. Been now to and, both. And, and but I have done the uh, I have done a, a spooky tour in New Orleans. It's been a, a while back. But They're always a lot of fun. It was fun. I, I think I would have to say that New Orleans. Ghost tours are more fun okay. than Savannah's. I mean, Savannah's are, are fun. It looked but, like they never got off the bus. But uh, in New Orleans, it's the one that we did really in New Orleans creepy. that I did. It was it was a walking tour. Yeah, yeah. It went to I've a graveyard, a, a cemetery, and yeah. uh, 
some spooky places. Did you go to the LaLaurie or LaLaurie house or how uh, do you want to say it? Marie Laveau was involved at some point. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's all I remember. It was, it was, yeah. it was, it was a yeah. while back. Yeah. It's been a minute. And there's no prohibition in New Orleans either. No. no. So a little foggy on that one. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> so. Well, I'm glad you guys had a great time and Katie had a happy birthday. Yes, thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. That was awesome. A little, a little older. That's how yeah. get older and wiser. Uh-huh. Boo freaking who, both of you. It comes with the territory. <laughs> <laughs> Just stop it with the old stuff. Okay, uh, something else, Scott, that uh-huh. you need to correct. Oh, yeah. Oopsie. Uh, I made a mistake last week on the show. I congratulated a friend of the show, Caitlin Jolly Gossett, for, uh, for the birth of her child, who I indirectly described as a male human being. Turns out, Halen is a female of the species, and so Bojali is a grandfather to a granddaughter. Well, way to go, of a grandson. So I screwed that up big time. I know, and I said you're going very publicly, and you're going to say that that was your fault. (laughs) That is not the worst mistake that I have made this week. It's just the worst mistake I've made that we have talked about. (laughs) Mediocre journalist, (laughs) mediocre (laughs) over here. We were not lying. Um, No, but but congratulations on the granddaughter. very sweet sorry uh, and that. sorry about that but hope everybody is well happy and healthy yes all right so what else scott is there anything else you need to grovel about this week oh uh the uh, randy what is randy's last name is it randy west our uh, the friend of the show who mm-hmm. commented about the aol yeah discs oh yes she, she uh left us a message on facebook a couple of days ago her husband who she said never throws away anything <laughs> Actually found one of the damn things in a drawer somewhere oh and sent gosh. us a photograph of the old AOL CD that you used to drop into your uh, tower computer <laughs> and hook up to the internet the old-fashioned way. And I Love did. It. I laughed at that because, no, I have never seen one of those. Yeah. That's great. Anyway, that's all well, I Well, thanks for sending that. I have a shout-out this week. I would like to uh, say hello to Ethan Laney, who listens to us on his travels to and from Auburn. He oh, comes yeah. home, you know, on the He's weekends. He's a college student. Okay, yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, War Eagle, Ethan, I know it's getting, uh, it's, it's a struggle down there right now, yeah, football season. Things but, will get better uh, on the planes. But we're building and yeah. still forever and always, War Eagle, and thank you for listening, Ethan Laney. So thank very you, glad Ethan. he had some kind words for us mm-hmm. on Spotify. Awesomeness. Yep. Loved okay. that very much. All right. What else do we need to cover before we dive into mm, this? I can't think of anything. Okay. If I do, though, I will interrupt you in mid-sentence and Perfect. tell you. Perfect. Like I always do. I love it. That's what it's for. Do you want me to get into our update? I think so. I think this is a great time. We have a big update from a previous case that we covered. Alabama case. Absolutely. Take it away, Katie. Yes, and I was trying to find our episode. that The episode. Uh, It's uh, season one, episode 22, I think. I looked it up. It's uh, Aruba. Oh, yes. Came out September 15th, 2021. Yes. Okay. I was just scrolling right over it. But yes, this was on uh, the disappearance of Natalie Holloway, who yes. disappeared in May of 2005. Uh, Kelly covered this episode, but there has been a big update mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. case now because it's always been assumed that that you know she was murdered. Mm-hmm. Body's never been found. Body still has not been found. Right. There has been a suspect this whole time, mm-hmm. Yoron Vandersloot, mm-hmm. and it has come out this week that he has confessed to the murder of Natalie Holloway. It was in a plea deal. He was in Alabama. He was in. I think he was in prison in Peru. Right, right? but he they and then they brought him to Alabama to face charges. Yes, he's well. He's been in prison in Peru for a murder of a college student that they found in his hotel room. Mm -hmm. However many years years later, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
not yeah, not that long after the Natalie Holloway stuff. So he's been in prison mm-hmm. for a while, mm-hmm. but he has been extradited to Alabama to face charges on wire fraud and extortion mm-hmm. against Beth Holloway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was because he he was gonna for two hundred fifty thousand dollars he was gonna tell the family what happened to Natalie. Yes, and then he didn't. I mean, exactly. That's that's why I, we said this back then, but we're gonna say it again. You're an ass. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's the Preach. T-shirt. Yeah. Well, he <clears throat> has he has been here in the state of Alabama, which is wild, uh, waiting on this trial. But they have come to a plea agreement, and a part of that plea agreement was that he would tell them what happened to Natalie. So we now know what happened to Natalie, and he did murder her. Mm-hmm. They were, as we knew, he was one of the last people to be seen with her. He, him, and and two of his friends were in a car together. She wanted to go home. She asked, "Hey, I, you know, I I don't." I'm not hanging out with y'all all night. You know, you're not getting from me what you want. I, I'd like yeah. to go back to my hotel. He's like, all right, we'll take you back. He gets his two friends to drop her off, drop him and her off a little ways down from her hotel on the beach. So they're walking back to her hotel on the beach. And he says in his confession that he thinks if he can walk with her a little ways, he could talk her into some stuff. He I got could, you. He could have a little more time with her. He could talk her in mm-hmm. to some stuff. I mean, you can let your imagination go from there. Right. So he's walking with her on the beach and she's still like, you know, I'm just ready to go back to my hotel. He gets her down in the sand and they're like kissing. He's trying to feel her up or whatever. And she's, she's not having it. She's like, no, he's not listening. She ends up kicking him mm-hmm. in, you know, in the crotch, in the crotch and which, you know, good for her. Yeah. yeah. This hurts him. And he gets up and kicks her in the face, which or in the head, knocks her out. And he says she could have been dead then. He's really not sure. He didn't check because then he looked over and he sees a cinder block on mm. the beach and bashes her head in. Mm. Takes her body about knee de- deep into the ocean and just drops her and walks home like nothing happened. Ugh. Pretty much what everybody had assumed this yep. whole time mm-hmm. had happened yep. was confirmed. At least it, we assume that he's telling the truth this time. It was very detailed, but we you assume, know, you can yeah. make up details, but yeah. So, but there is no body to find. I mean, yeah, yeah. So he has been, he's going to go back to Peru and finish Mm -hmm. his forever, right? He's a life sentence now. What is his, what is his sentence in Peru was, I think, 25 years. I think he'll be out in, I think he'll be out in 20, I want to say 2035 or 2045, if at all. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, yeah, it's, but it's, if he serves more than 20 more years in Peru, he will not be extradited back to the United States because the sentence he got here was 20 years and it's to serve concurrent with his okay. sentence in Peru. So, uh, but if he does, he has to come back here. Yes. Okay. And then finish out that sentence. But this, he's not been convicted and will not be of her murder. So there's That's no death penalty in Peru, right? Or there's not? There's or he a, just didn't there's get There's a 12 year statute of limitations on murder charges oh. in uh, Jamaica. Okay. So, in Aruba. Uh, in, Aru- in Aruba, yeah. Aruba, yeah. okay. Sorry, I jumped the tracks on you. You were asking about Peru, but... Yeah, I, just, I was just I remember reading that there was 12 got, years statute of limitations for murder in Aruba. Okay, yeah, let's so, just... Come on. Uh, all right. Oh, yeah, we, he's he's serving, yeah, a 28-year... Okay, I got that. Could remember, okay. so it's random. A 28-year sentence in Peru. Uh, and the murder occurred in 2010, so he was sentenced, I guess, a few years after that. So he's okay. he's got a 28-year sentence there and a 20-year sentence in the United States, but like I said, it's, they're running concurrent, which means it doesn't start, it starts now, it doesn't start after his sentence in Peru. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So. <sighs> Sounds like somebody who, I don't know how to say this, could have been a serial killer or could have become one because it sounded like he committed that first murder and mm-hmm. got some sort of thrill out of it maybe mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. thought, hey, I got away with it once. I can do it again. And I then he killed the second person in Peru a few years later. And thank goodness they caught him. Yeah, Peru was like, we're not having that. He might still be out there doing that today. I, I think- just don't think his father had as much pull in Peru as he did yes. in Aruba. Yeah. And they found the body in Peru. Yeah. True. Yeah. And I think Beth Holloway, you know, said it best. He was just a man who, when he didn't get what he wanted, right, would yeah do whatever whatever he wanted at that point. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you'll murder someone because they won't sleep with you, yes. I mean, you know, what else? What else are you going to do in life? He, he there was yeah. no future for no. for this guy. Yeah, except maybe as a serial killer. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <clears throat> you know, it's not one of those tragic tales that go, oh, you know, what could what could his life have? You right. know, what could Natalie Holloway's life have been? Yeah. You know, she would have been right an excellent member of society. I'm mm-hmm. sure. But right. Not she would have been a doctor by now. Yeah. Yeah. She'd be he, 36. He is just she's six, seven a bad egg. He's a bad egg, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's my will. Yep. Well, thank you, Katie, for that update. And we are rounding out our final uh, October episode as we barrel to Halloween. Yeah, I mean, that's right. One of my favorite. What, what times day does of Halloween year. fall on this year? Is it a weird it's a day? Tuesday. It's a Tuesday. So this will come out the the Wednesday. This is Wednesday. Yes. Here we are. Here's Wednesday. As you listen Hall- at home. Yeah. Halloween is Tuesday. So okay. our next episode will be in November. So Got this it. is our final one okay. before the the month of October ends. And uh, last week we did the Amityville Horror. Mm-hmm. Very good episode. I got some great response to, uh, to about that episode from some folks at work. They really enjoyed it. Yeah. I've been getting good, good responses from yeah. that one too. And uh, so we thought, well, why not keep with... Uh, with our our sort of theme, and uh, this week we are going to tackle the Exorcist. We're just crazy enough to do it, folks. Just we sit are. down and hold on to something. And who's the craziest of our trio here? Apparently, I you am are. because I'm the one You're who the one doing it. Who said I'll do this? But I didn't um, plan on doing this. But I was uh, looking into some things, and I said, "Hey guys, I think there's a story here. Oh yeah, do you mind if I do this?" And you guys said, "Yeah." So. What, what if we'd have said no, you would have done it anyway? That's true. So No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Knock yourself out. Um, so I will, uh, it's going to take me a moment, <clears throat> but I will get to an actual true crime event. So there, it does Over the course of this story. Over the course of this story. Okay. Uh, so let's, uh, let's just dive right in. Hit it. All right. What is an exorcist? Here's, are, are, here, are you going to answer your own question? Or do you want us to try? Right okay. I'm going to right. answer it. Here's the definition. Quote, among the sacramentals, the church, obedient to the Lord's prayer, has from ancient times mercifully provided means for God to be implored through pious supplications that the Christian faithful may be set free from all dangers, especially from the snares of the devil, end quote. And that is from exorcism and certain supplications published by the Catholic Church uh, into English form when Pope John Paul II was in office. Okay. So exorcism is a specific form of prayer that the church uses against the power of the devil. Quote, when the church asks publicly and authoritatively in the name of Jesus Christ that a person or object be protected against the power of the evil one and withdrawn from his dominion, end quote. So it's a it's a series of... Uh, prayers a special form of prayer right that's when you just break it down that's what 
an exorcism is. An exorcist is someone who performs this. Mm-hmm. And they have, turns out it can't just be anybody. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There are two kinds of exorcisms. There's a major or solemn and a minor or simple. And these simple or minor exorcisms are found in two places. Those preparing for baptism, both adults mm-hmm. and babies, children. Right. You know, we do if you do a baby dedication or a you know, sprinkling or if you are an adult and you want to be baptized, those are considered uh, by the Catholic Church to be simple or minor exorcisms. Oh, yeah. Because, did not know that. Yeah. In the supplications, uh, they document, it, it gives you a series of prayers that the faithful may use. So the simple one in preparing for baptism, which is like, you know, I renounce all evil. I protect, you know, protecting this child from evil. Or you go to the supplications and there are a series of prayers that you may use in order to break the influence of evil and sin in a person's life. So we're not talking about demon possession or any kind of possession when we're talking about a simple or a minor exorcism. We're talking about renouncing evil and protecting protection from evil. Mm-hmm. Okay. Through baptism or prayer. The solemn or the major exorcism and that is performed by a bishop or a priest with the special and express permission of the local ordinary. This form is directed at the expulsion of demons or to the liberation of a person from demonic possession. So when we talk about a major exorcism or a solemn exorcism, we are talking about what we've seen in the movie, The Exorcist. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, exorcists are appointed by a bishop, and they work closely under the direction of the bishop. The priest should possess piety, knowledge, prudence, and integrity of life. They are trained through an apprenticeship model, working under the direction of an experienced exorcist, and the church has several training programs for this. So, anybody, you can't just read this document, which I have read, mm-hmm. and proclaim yourself an exorcist. Okay. So, checks out. Yeah, yeah, checks out. Uh, the exorcism in certain supplications document is a, or it's a fifty-something page document, depending on if you print it or if you look at it on your iPad, like I did. I've read the entire thing. Yeah, and it gives you a very specific order for the ritual and the celebration. They they refer to it as a celebration because you are freeing yeah. the afflicted. Mm-hmm. Um, so what the church says is that every diocese must establish a protocol to respond to inquiries made by the faithful who claim to be demonically afflicted. So the church is very, very careful about this. And regardless of what you may have heard, there is a process which includes, first and foremost, Mm -hmm. medical, psychological, and psychiatric assessments. Okay. They must be seen by these professionals with the referral to the church for an exorcism being the last and final determination or last resort. The church will determine if an individual is possessed by the devil regardless of the claim of the afflicted. So you can't just knock on the door of the Catholic church and tell them you are possessed. Hey, help me out. Uh, They will help you, but they are not going to be quick to... Start this ritual. Right. This is a last resort. It's not situation. like sure. Come on in. Come yeah, and come sit in our in, exorcist chair. That's right by the door because we use it all the time. Yeah. Because they don't use it all the time. No, this is not a common thing. Yeah. 
All right, the church, this is a direct quote. The church has moved cautiously when evaluating alleged cases of demonic possession. The reason for this is not to deny access to the members of the faithful who are in genuine need. However, the church is equally concerned that individuals not get caught up in a sensationalist mentality and thus create a kind of sideshow affair. Although rare, genuine cases of demonic possession should be addressed in a balanced manner with the utmost care being extended to the afflicted person. So the way the church views this as they are there to help and to advise and to serve and protect their flock, mm-hmm. the believers. Right. This is another way that they do it. First and foremost, they want to check out, are there any medical conditions? Are there any psychiatric conditions? We've talked about this on the show, how mental health issues and even medical issues can mimic, people will almost seem animalistic. Mm-hmm. You know, take just something as simple as if someone is struggling with diabetes and their sugar gets gets out of whack. Right. It can mimic certain mental health disorders and then epilepsy mm-hmm. seizures um things like that can make you think oh my gosh we need yeah. a priest right yeah. you know so they want to rule out all of that very carefully but their their main focus is the individual so they're very much in tune and caring for the human being involved mm-hmm. right so i thought that 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 really stood out to me mm-hmm as they want that, that is important. Well, I mean, I guess the reputation of the entire Catholic Church is at stake every time one of these things happens when there is an exorcism. So you want to make sure that you've crossed every T, yeah. every I, before and, you take that extreme step. Yeah, and I think they, they do want to protect the, the reputation of the church, but they also want to protect and help their people. Sure. So I really got from reading this document a, a huge sense of that, that that was very important. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get a whole sense of, um, it was a very um, loving type of thing. I, I don't know. I just got a really positive uh, is that read all, from is that. that. Is that the same as the church basically saying, it's probably not possession? I mean, isn't I that mean they are of, going to operate that way to yeah. begin with. They're just yeah. not going to assume, uh-oh. Right. It, uh, you're acting weird. The devil's got you. Right. That's and so let's uh, check your sugar level first. Yeah, there. Let's let's get checked out by these doctors first, and let's see what's going on with there, and we can get you help with there. And while you're getting that help, if it's determined, we will absolutely pray for you. Mm-hmm. But we want to get you the help that you need. Yeah. And if we, at the end of the day, determine that you need a specific kind of help from a specific kind of priest, mm-hmm. we have those available as well. Right. So. That's kind of how it is. Um, now, what determines possession? What does it take? Mm-hmm. First of all, an aversion to sacred things. The crucifix, okay. the statue of the Virgin Mary. Walking into, think about the last cathedral that you've walked in mm-hmm. and you see those sacred. Have you guys ever been in uh, New Orleans and St. Louis Cathedral? Mm-hmm. I don't think I have, no. It's a beautiful building. But there are a lot of sacred things around there. Um, St. Patrick's Cathedral in Ireland has a lot of beautiful... Mm -hmm. uh, I have personally seen them. It was gorgeous. Yeah. Um, So it would be an aversion to those kinds of things. Knowledge of hidden things. This is a a very important one. So the afflicted human being is going to be able to say things to the priest or to the believers that are um, around 
that they would have no way of knowing. Okay. Okay. Um, that could be an, a language, another language. Mm-hmm. It it could be personal things about people there. Yeah. Um, things like that. I'm actually going to give you an example of that. Okay. When we move forward, in human physical strength, and epileptic like seizures. They're going to mm. move their head, their arms, their legs in ways that- in Strange, mimic. twitchy, yep. Bendy, unnatural yep. ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the ritual itself consists of psalms and gospel readings, specific exorcism prayers, sacred symbols, blessed water, the imposition of the hands, the imposition of the breath, the Lord's cross, and the sign of the cross. Now, there are others who are who can be present they will have specific prayers and responses during the ritual, but they are never to address the devil. It is performed, they, the best place is a private chapel with a visible statue of the Virgin Mary and Christ on the cross, present and visible. All this right. is what they want. And by private chapel, do you just mean one that's like not open to the public? Because yes. like a lot of, I guess, Catholic chapels like, People can just walk in off the street. Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they can be performed in other places if need be. And I'll give some examples of that too. Confidentiality is very important to protect the integrity of the afflicted because honestly, guys, there's no coming back from this. If you get deemed as the person that was yeah. possessed, yeah. people who don't believe in that sort of thing are going to think you're a liar or you have some sort of mental health disorder. <clears throat> people who do believe it, they don't want to be around yeah. the door to evil. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? It's really a terrible yeah. scenario. So yeah. So yeah. Start working on your resume because you're going to need a new job and a yes. new town soon. Yes. Yeah. And a new name and everything. Mm-hmm. So they, they understand that. And so confidentiality is very important. The rite begins with the sprinkling of holy water. This holy water, of course, is blessed by the, the priest, the bishop. Um, and it may or may not contain salt depending on... The exorcist, what they choose. Uh, After that, litany follows, then psalms. In this document, they give you the exact places for you to do the sign of the cross Mm -hmm. at different times, when to present the crucifix, when to uh, do the holy water, when to do the breath, when to do the laying on the hands. This is their order. Okay, so we start with the holy water, then the litany, then the psalms, then the sign of the cross, then the imposition of hands. Also could be the imposition of the breath, which is the priest literally breathing on the afflicted as the Lord's breath or the Holy Uh, Spirit or some, you know, yeah. Um, Then the Apostles' Creed is recited. For those of you who are Methodists like me, you know this very well. We say it on Sunday. Uh, the Catholics also say this. Mm-hmm. So the Apostle Creed is recited and then the Lord's Prayer. Then the then God is addressed and petitioned by the exorcist. He is called upon to help, addressed by the exorcist. After this and only after this, the devil then may be addressed. But the devil is only addressed by the exorcist or the priest and never by the faithful present. In fact, they are told multiple times, do not speak to it. Why not just kick him out of the room? The believers, yeah, uh, they're there to offer additional prayers and okay. also sometimes maybe a restraint. Yeah, they need physical ah, restraints. Now, I'm yeah. Um, if the major exorcism can be performed without addressing the devil, they want you to do that. Mm-hmm. But if so that's not, the last case scenario. Yeah, but you never address the devil 
until after you have petitioned God. They are very specific about that. And the other believers should never address the devil. Well, I'm down with that. Yeah. So that's, uh, anyways, there are also rites and prayers and things that they can go through for objects or places that may be, have some sort of presence. For instance, the Annabelle doll, Mm -hmm. there'd Ah, be a rite for that. Or the, uh, whatever you think about the story, the, uh, the house we talked about last week. Oh yeah. The Annabelle house. Yeah. So they have rites and rituals Mm -hmm. for that sort of thing as well. Okay. Let's talk about pop culture. Now that we know the very brushed over bullet points of the exorcism. Right. Let's talk about pop culture. So there's been a fascination with exorcisms since the movie came out in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Probably 73? 73. Yeah. Probably a fascination before then, but it mm. really became a big deal in pop culture with the release of this movie. And this fascination has uh, continued on to this day. We had the 73 release of The Exorcist on to uh, present day. The Exorcist Believer is now out in theaters. That's right. And then, of course, everything in between that. But what is true and what is not? Fact versus fiction. Okay. In 1971, a novel was published by Harper and Rowe called The Exorcist. It was written by William Peter Blatty, and the book stayed on the New York Times bestseller list for 57 weeks with 17 consecutive weeks at number one. Wow. The Spanish Book Institute states that the Spanish translated version was the eighth most popular book sold in Spain in 1975. So this book is wildly Mm -hmm. accepted and bought and read and appreciated, is it, apparently. Is, it, is the book pure fiction, or is it, is it based on something that actually happened? I don't want to spoil anything. Oh, no, that was a perfect lead-in. Okay. The novel was inspired <clears throat> uh-huh. by a 1949 case of alleged demonic possession and exorcism. Now, Blatty hears about this while he is a student at Georgetown University in 1950. Fancy. So he hears about this in a classroom, which is why the story itself is set. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's set in Georgetown. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. set right there. Even use the stairs there I was in Georgetown. The stairs. And the, yeah. uh-huh, and the picture of the house there. Okay. I've actually been to this. Right, yeah, I thought yes. that you had. The house is not connected to the stairs. You have the house, and then you have a building, which is like a, at the time that I was there, it was like a little annex of a community college. Mm-hmm. And then the stairs were right by that. Okay. The stairs are extremely steep and there's a lot of them. <laughs> and when you go down the stairs and you get to the bottom, it's literally like a four lane highway and a gas station. There's nothing at the bottom. Uh, when you get to the bottom, you're like, oh crap. Cause you got to <laughs> go back go. up. <laughs> oh no. So you climbed them back up. Uh, well, yeah. at least you got to say you did it. Though. Yeah, I did. There was a lot of people there uh, jogging, doing their exercise up and down the stairs. So it's a lot of stairs. Yeah, there's a lot. And there was also a guy there filming So uh, when we were there. So yeah, you kind of had to uh, share the stairs. Sounds uh, like it. Yeah, there was a lot of people there. So <clears throat> anyways... Uh, Let's see here. The movie was released on December the 26th in 1973. Now, William Peter Blatty also wrote the screenplay for the movie. The movie received mixed reviews. Mm -hmm. It grossed over $444 million in the box office. It has a 78% rating on Rotten Tomatoes 
with an audience score of 87%. Wow. Yeah. I meant to watch it this morning and I didn't. I don't know that I would give it that. Katie, what would you give it? Uh, it's, I'm just not that big a fan of old movies, like older yeah. movies. Like, cause what, like, I like the Exorcist movie. Like, you know, I think they- It's scary yeah. at times. Mm-hmm. Boring at times. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Some boredom. It's yeah. been a long time since I've seen it. I mean, I guess 70 something. Yeah. 70 something. I mean, or 70%. It sounds mm-hmm. pretty good. Mm. Well, <clears throat> there are several reports of the movie having strange happenings when they began productions uh, to the point that they even called in a priest to bless the set. At some point. Oh, good grief. Yeah, so let's go into all the things that went on. Okay. All right, the first incident occurred around 2.30 a.m. one Sunday morning when a fire broke out on the set. Basically, the McNeil house set, Mm -hmm. that it caught on fire. And uh, apparently they said it was a bad electric circuit that shut down filming for six weeks while the set was constructed from scratch. But uh, once they reconstructed everything, the sprinkler system broke down, causing an additional two-week delay. Other things that happened, the the, the man who plays Father Father Marin in the movie, uh, when he got to New York to film his first scenes, his brother died unexpectedly in Sweden. He himself became very ill while filming the movie. The guy who played Burke Dennings died only one week after his character was killed by the demon in the movie. Oh. Uh, the guy who played Father Karras was uh, stunned when his young son was struck down on an empty beach by a motorcyclist who appeared out of nowhere. The, the little boy almost died, but he did not. Uh, Ellen Bernston, the, the lady who played the mother, yeah. Chris McNeil, she messed up her back very badly in the scene when she is slapped by the possessed girl and goes flying across the room. Uh, the director, uh, William, I called him Billy Friedkin, was very, um, I don't know, thorough, I guess. I don't know, but they did that scene over and uh, over and over. And she's hooked to a, hor- <clears throat> a harness and, and she's bam, bam. And the, and the guy's, you know, this pulling it and, and it just it messed up her back. And yeah. so she was, that caused delays for several weeks in filming while she was out with her back. Yikes. Issues, yeah. Uh, In New York, one of the carpenters accidentally cut off his thumb on the set, and one of the lighting technicians lost a toe. No idea how he lost a toe, but he lost a toe. Then they go to Iraq. Uh, They're supposed to go to Iraq and and do all of that footage in the spring. Those are the opening scenes. Mm -hmm. But they couldn't because of all the delays, so they had to go in July. It was 130 degrees, uh, the 18 man crew that went out there at some point in time, half of them were, they were down and out at, at one point or another. Uh, sunstroke. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then they had this bronze statue of this neo Assyrian winged demon, Pazazu, the demon. Mm-hmm. Um, it was packed in a 10 foot crate and supposed to get shipped to Los Angeles, but somehow ended up in Hong Kong. And caused another well, not even close. Caused another two week delay. Uh, Linda's grandfather died during the production. The assistant cameraman's wife had a baby that died. The man who refrigerated the set died. So, you know those scenes where they're talking and you see their breath. Mm-hmm. That's because they had the temperature on that set. Mm down okay. below freezing so that their wow. breath and and Linda Blair's there in a gown the whole time. Mm-hmm. Linda Blair is 
one of the few cast members that never got the flu during that filming. She never got sick. Uh, and she's in a gown the whole time they're in this freezing This is, I mean, temperature. This kind of is what Katie was talking about a minute ago when she said that it's hard to watch older movies for her. And I know what she means because back then, I mean, with Ellen Burstyn hurting her back. Yeah. And with the, the, the necessity for the cold temperature to have the, now they would just do all that with computers. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it would look, I mean, I'm, I guess it looked realistic mm-hmm. or as realistic as it could for the time. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's why Yeah, it's it's hard. It, it gets, as I get older and I watch more movies, it gets harder for me to watch older movies back, because yeah. I'm like, oh, I know how they did that. Or I bet that guy got hurt on when he fell off of that chair. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you can see the explosion underneath the car that flips it over. Anyway, just, yeah. it's, it's hard to watch movies. It's now. hard for With me to let go. The way it is now. Yeah, it's hard for me to let go and just watch just it. Watch yeah, it. yeah, it's suspend um, disbelief and just enjoy it. It's, it's harder with old movies. Right. Now, Linda Blair did get hurt. Um, there's a scene where she's on the bed and the bed is moving and it's it's she's being flailed around mm-hmm. on the bed and she's actually yelling, make it stop, make it stop, make it stop. Mm-hmm. That's real. A spring had popped <sighs> ah, okay. and was actually hitting her in the back throughout the entire scene that they didn't know it until like, so her screaming and crying during that is real. So when you, when Scott, you said you were going to go back and watch it. So when you do watch that, that's an actual, okay. That is actually stabbing her. What if they did that on purpose just to get a reaction? Uh, That director? I don't know. know. You never know. But anyways, um, he had a huge respect for Linda even as a 12-year-old girl, I don't think he would have done that on okay. purpose. I mean, he really thought she was something special as far as her acting and mm-hmm. the way that she was able to do things. Um, so I don't think he would have done that on okay. purpose. I don't know, but who, who knows? Uh, the janitor who took care of the building was shot and killed. Uh, I think there were about nine deaths during the course of the film. As we head toward the 2023 holiday season, the Cherokee County Chamber of Commerce and Tourism wants to remind everyone who lives in the surrounding area to shop local. Shopping locally means having lunch at a restaurant in town or purchasing unique items in a local shop or boutique or simply filling up your gas tank at the station down the street before hitting the road for a holiday vacation. Small businesses play a major role in maintaining our way of life by supporting our schools and nonprofits and providing jobs in the community. In short, they are giving back. The Chamber encourages you to give back to them by shopping local this holiday season. For more information, visit Cherokee-Chamber.org. Are you in the market for a full-time Weiss Lake home or recreational lot? Let Trini Davis and Elizabeth Powell put their all-star property group at Keller Williams Realty to work for you. Trini and Elizabeth are locals themselves, so they know the Weiss Lake area, and with over 40 years of experience, they're professional listing and buying agents, talented home stagers and photographers, and specialized marketing team will work to make your lakefront dreams come true. Check out the Keller Williams team on Facebook at All Star Property Rome. You can also visit at All Star Property Rome to browse their images on Instagram or give them a call at 706-844-7493. That's the All Star Property Group with Keller Williams Realty at 706-844-7493. You can hit pause, call them now, and make your Weiss Lake dreams a reality. Uh, Another thing that happened in post-production, there were strange images and visions that showed up on the film that were never planned. And this is claimed by the director, Friedkin. He could have also been doing this to 
drum up business. I don't sure, know. Yeah. Uh, and he says there are double exposures in the little girl's face at the end of one reel that are unbelievable. Mm. I don't know what happened. Uh, so then the movie's released. Within weeks of the first public screening of the film, stories started to make the rounds that audience members were fainting and vomiting in theaters. People were having nightmares. Uh, a number of theater ushers had to be placed under a doctor's care or quit their jobs after experiencing successive showings of The Exorcist. Uh, in numerous cities uh, that were checked after The Exorcist had run for several weeks, reporters found that every major hospital had been forced to deal with patients who reported uh, vomiting and hallucinations after seeing the film and reports of being people being carried out of theaters on stretchers. So there's there like no such wildfire. thing as bad publicity. No, 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 no. <laughs> and they capitalized on yeah. this. And I remember uh, years ago, my dad and I talking about The Exorcist and him saying that when you went to see the movie, there was an actual priest standing, clever saying, don't see it. He said it just made people want to see yeah. it. Even even more. Uh, and there were actually some priests and, and religious leaders who weren't critical of the movie. They said, that people need to know that the evil okay. is real. Right. So that you, you, it wasn't, all the priests didn't hate it, yeah. you know, or, or warn against it. Um, so the film created a widespread interest in exorcism, uh, but it was kind of questionable. You had more people showing up claiming to be possessed. Mm-hmm. The church is having a lot of issues after this. People are saying I'm possessed and I need help and a lot of these claims and people also people self-proclaiming themselves as exorcists and demonologists trying to cash in on okay. uh, popularity and money. Mercedes McCambridge, uh, does anybody know who that is? That name oh. sounds familiar, but I can't think why. She is. She was a voice actor okay. at the time. She provides the voice of the demon in the movie. Okay. Um, she wants to sound as disturbing as possible, of course. So she insisted on swallowing raw eggs, chain smoking, and drinking <laughs> whiskey to make her voice harsh and her performance aggressive. I like her already. She had two priests with her the whole time. She would, she would get herself into this almost inebriated state, do the voice, and then go lay on a couch and scream and cry while the priest prayed over her. This was her every day at work. She just Good afraid grief. that she was inviting yeah. a demon in or something. Wow. Something, yeah. In November of 1987, Mercedes McCambridge's son, John Markle, killed his family. <gasps> he, his wife was 45 he killed his daughters, Amy and Suzanne. They were 13 and 9, and then he killed himself. He left a note taking responsibility for his crimes and a long, bitter letter to his mother. Uh, parts of the letter said, Initially, you said, well, we can work it out. But no, you refused. You called me a liar, a cheat, a criminal, a bum. You said, I have ruined your life. You were never around much when I needed you, so now I and my whole family are dead so you can have the money. Night, mother. Wow. <laughs> oh, horrible, right? Yeah. That is horrible. So these are all the horrible things that happen to the, the production of the movie or the people who are in the movie. Um, but what is the real story that this is based on? Remember I said this is based From on a quote, 49. real story. Okay. Yeah. All right, so here we go. Okay. In the 1940s, a 14-year-old boy was an alleged victim of demonic possession. He received a series of exorcisms by Roman Catholic priests, and it was recorded by uh, the priest Raymond J. Bishop. 
The boy was later identified as Ronald Edwin Hunkler, but was only known as a pseudonym Ronald Doe or Ronald Mannheim until 2021. Okay. Ronald Edwin Hunkler was born on June the 1st, 1935. He lived with his family in Cottage City, Maryland. He was an only child and developed a very close relationship with his Aunt Harriet, who was a spiritualist. Now, she introduced Roland to the Ouija board. Oh. You ever played with the Ouija board, Scott? Uh, I've seen it done. Have you, Katie? Oh, I have. I'm sure. Play yeah. with the Ouija board? Mm-hmm. I have too. It's like yeah. a slumber party girl thing, right? It is. Yeah. It is totally a slumber party girl thing. Right. You know, yeah. with light as a feather, stiff as a board. Oh and, my yeah. gosh, yeah. yeah. But, and um, everybody's, it, the, the Ouija board is moving and everybody's going, I'm not moving it. I'm not moving it. Oh, you know. <laughs> what is it? Bloody Mary, you scream in the Bloody mirror. Bloody Mary in the mirror, yeah. Okay. All I almost the just games. ate the microphone. Did you I'm see just, that, Scott? I wasn't going to say anything, I like, but yeah. I hit the microphone yeah. and, yeah, anyways, it, uh, anyways. All right, here we go. Uh, Not long after his Aunt Harriet passed away, the family reported strange noises, furniture moving on its own, and objects flying or levitating when Roland was nearby. The family turned to a Lutheran pastor. And interestingly enough, his name is Luther, Miles Schultz. Uh, They are going to ask him for help. So he's going to stay in the home to see what he can see. Mm. He reports witnessing these events, and he's going to tell the family, you need a Catholic priest. Okay. So he's a Lutheran pastor, but he's like, like this is above my pay grade. This is not my business. You got to go to the top. Go to the Catholic priest. <laughs> okay. The story goes that the boy underwent several exorcisms and even slipped from one of his restraints, broke a bed spring from under the mattress, and slashed the priest's arm. The family later traveled to St. Louis where his cousins contacted one of their professors at St. Louis University who then contacted an associate of College Church. Now, both of these folks are going to visit Roland and his family's home there in St. Louis and they're going to observe, allegedly, a shaking bed, flying objects, the boy speaking in a guttural voice and exhibiting aversion to anything sacred. At this point... They say they were granted permission from the archbishop to perform an exorcism. These were performed in a private room in the psychiatric wing of a local hospital, the Alexian Brothers Hospital. It was eventually changed to South City Hospital. Now, one of the biggest problems with this story is people say, no, the Alexian Brothers Hospital was actually in Chicago. It was not in St. Louis. Mm. So that's, some of your naysayers to this story are going to first jump on that I see. fact. Um, but the hospital, they say, was later changed to South City Hospital. After this, the boy is reported to have lived a, quote, rather ordinary life. I'm not sure how that's possible, but okay. So during one mm-hmm. of the exorcisms, he starts talking in a different voice from the guttural voice, and he says, uh, this is Archangel Michael, I tell you to leave this child and then he falls down and then he's fine from that point on. Okay. Uh, okay. So moving on. Uh, Yeah. In 1993, Thomas B. Allen wrote a book called possessed the true story of an exorcism. Mm. So Thomas B. Allen, he wasn't sure he was buying it either. So he's gonna, um, write a book about this. 
it may be a very interesting book to read, but it's about this this story. So okay. there's, there's some reading if you want to do that. Uh, he offered the following, quote, the consensus of today's experts is that Robbie was just a deeply disturbed boy. Nothing supernatural about him. And so it's generally accepted by skeptics that the boy was never possessed. Mm. So what happened to Ronald Edwin Hunkler after that? Do you guys know? Mm -mm. He was a NASA engineer. Shut the hell up. Who patented a special technology to make space shuttle panels resistant to extreme heat, helping the Apollo missions of the 60s that put U.S. astronauts on the moon in 1969. Wow. Wow. According to a colleague, he was always on the edge about his colleagues at NASA finding out that he was the inspiration for the exorcist. Sure, I could see where Always that could, worried about this. I mean, you're building rocket ships. You're going to the moon. It's got to be a fantastic time. It was a fantastic time in the country. Great job. You're doing you're good for the history. nation. But they, they're going to kick me out if they find out I was the, the possessed kid from the book. So he retired in 2001 after working for NASA for 40 years. Way that, to go, him. I know. And his identity was still kept under wraps for 20 more years. Uh-huh. On Halloween, he always left his house because he, he was afraid folks would figure out and okay. come to his house and he would never have any peace. He did have three children, but he was estranged from all of them. Mm. They did not attend his funeral when he passed away, May the 10th, 2020. Mm. So he died without... He died with his anonymity. Now, the priest fully believed that he was possessed. However, the man himself never fully believed it and shunned mm. religion. Mm. Wow. So he said, I was not possessed. It was all concocted. I was just a bad boy. Okay. But I'm thinking, okay, so you weren't possessed by a demon, but there are some demons there because you <laughs> went yeah. through with all of this. <laughs> yeah. But apparently figured out how to turn it around and became a very productive adult. Uh, not very good with relationships. I was about to say, some emotional yeah, issues like there. Yeah, mm -hmm. but an incredible engineer at NASA. Yeah. So I guess we all have our strengths. Yeah, probably one of those guys who was consumed by his work. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, yeah very much so, I think. I think that was his true identity his life was his job and he was always afraid to lose it um shortly before he died it's reported by a, a a woman who wanted to remain anonymous but she was in a, some sort of relationship with him uh shortly before he died a catholic priest appeared at his home and performed last rites now this female companion reported that she is not the one who called the priest she said i quote i have no idea how the father knew to come but he got ron to heaven Ron is in heaven now, and he's with God. So uh, a man who's shown religion his whole life, this priest shows up. Mm -hmm. He goes through this last rites thing just before he dies. Well, so guess it never hurts just to be sure. There was something there. Right. I don't know. He he was okay. All right. So that's the real story behind the movie The Exorcist. All right. All right, one more movie and one more story. Okay. If you guys will uh, allow me. Oh, yeah. I've got okay. nothing to do today. All right. Okay. Uh, anybody seen The Exorcism of Emily Rose? Yes. I have not. Okay. So it was released in 2005. Mm -hmm. It tells the story of a priest who is on trial, accused of negligence, resulting in the death of a young girl who is believed to be possessed. Wait, I think I have seen that film. Have you? It's a, it's a good one. Um, Who's I was in, in it? I was entirely too young to watch it when uh, I did. 
Well, anybody can anybody it's creepy. Can anybody name somebody? Uh, so the girl who oh, plays yeah. Emily Rose, I believe she was in the Dexter series. I believe she played Dexter's sister. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh Jennifer uh, Am I right about that or am I wrong about that? I cannot remember her last name. Jennifer something. She's kind of a thin girl. Yeah, very thin. Oh, uh, she We're checking here. Yeah, yeah checking. well, it, you know. Laura Linney? No, no that's not no, her. That's not here. I'm just looking at the, this is the Wikipedia page that came up real quick. I'm not sure. Oh, let's go on down. Oh, no, no. Jennifer Carpenter. There it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So she plays Emily Rose. She plays the young girl. Yes, and she is. She is, yeah, Dexter girl. Okay. Very, um, very good performance in that mm-hmm. movie. Um, but the movie is loosely based on the book, The Exorcism of Annalise Michelle by, uh, I'm going to try with this name. Felicitas D. Goodman. All right. Okay. Now, Annalise Michelle was born in 1952 in Klingenberg, Germany. Her family was very religious. They were Catholic. In September 1968 and August of 1969, she had episodes of losing consciousness and had the feeling of something pressing down on her chest. After the second episode in August of 69, her mother took her to the family's doctor, Dr. Voigt, V-O-G-T, Vault. How do you say that? Sounds right. Yeah, you probably got to say it with that, with some oomph. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. No, I'm butchering that. I apologize. They also took her to a neurologist, Dr. Luthi. The uh, doctors examined her and they found nothing. Nothing wrong. Did some brain scans, medical Stuff, medical tests, all of these things. Could not find anything wrong with her. They thought that maybe she had had some form of a seizure. Yeah. From 1969 to 1972, Annalise had two more episodes and was prescribed an anti-convulsant and an anti-seizure medication. And the doctors continued to run tests. They did EEGs. Uh, they were mostly normal. Uh, one test in 1972 did show mild, irregular patterns, but it was nothing that they said was that literally mild, irregular patterns. We're talking like in her brain waves? Yeah, brain okay. scan. Okay. But in 1973, things get worse. Annalise began to hear knocking sounds in her bedroom and a voice, quote, damning her to hell, end quote. So she's hearing this at night when she's trying to sleep. Her mother observed Annalise staring at a statue of the Virgin Mary and claims that her eyes turned jet black and her hands shaped into claws. Like, I'm doing a claw hand to Scott. Yeah, I see it. Not like a crab claw, but like a... like a. Yeah. No. What's know. the movie where the guy does the claw? Oh, uh, Liar, Liar. Yeah. Uh, Jim oh, Carrey. Yeah. Claw. Claw. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing. Yes, yes. Her hands kind of went into claws, and her mother says that her eyes turned jet black. Wait a minute. Katie, have you seen Liar, Liar? I have. Holy cow, because I would not have put that on the list of movies she has yep. seen. All right, whatever. <laughs> uh, they go back to Dr. Luthi in September of 1973 and describe to him visions of demons that, that she's continuing to have. They are taunting her. Uh, she's reporting a, a smell of, of burnt feces. Ooh. <laughs> The family claims. I don't to, know what that smells. Like. I don't either. <laughs> the family claims to smell the same thing, so mm-hmm. it's like poop on fire. I guess, I guess it's like pornography. Like the Supreme Court said, you'll know it when you see it. I guess you'll know <laughs> it when, when you, you smell, smell it. it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Um, okay. So, but, the, but it's not just Annalise that's smelling this foul smell. Let's just, it's a foul smell. Mm-hmm. I imagine burning feces is yeah. foul. Okay. Uh, all right. At this point, Dr. Luthi, um, tells them you need to see a Jesuit. That's a religious official. Okay. okay. He's like, we've ran, we've done all of these tests. You're on medication. Uh, we've helped you all we can. I mean, go see a religious official. Yeah. I mean, there's, right. everybody smells feces. Oh, yeah. and if you had four on your over under for how many times we would say feces in this episode today, uh, you win. <laughs> yeah. Now, Dr. Lucy is going to later deny advising them to do this. Just, let me just throw that out there because he does. He okay. later denies saying this. In September of 1973, after the visit with Dr. Luthi, the family meets with Father Alt. In November of 1973, Annalise was evaluated by a Freudian psychiatrist who diagnosed her as neurotic with possible epilepsy. It's kind of funny that a Freudian psychiatrist would diagnose her as neurotic. <laughs> But that's a person, that's a psychology joke, yeah. but it's I was really about to funny. Say, I think that's yeah. a little niche, but it, it really is funny. <laughs> okay. um, anyways. Um, okay. With possible epilepsy. Mm. All right. A visit with another neurologist and they do some tests and they say, okay, Annalise is having epileptic patterns. The doc is going to take her off of her current anti-seizure medication and put her on another one that is stronger. Mm. In July of 1975, it keeps getting worse. She's not sleeping. She is praying day and night. She's eating spiders and bugs. She even licked her own urine off the floor. Mm -mm. She's destroying crucifixes, rosaries, and holy pictures on the walls. Because, you know, the family's very religious. So So they have this in the hall. On the walls. Yeah. Um, she had almost superhuman strength, allegedly. Uh, they said she was able to squeeze an apple with one hand until it exploded. I'm, okay. I, I didn't know that was a, a test of strength. Maybe the three of us should try that next week on the show. Oh, I guarantee you, I, I, I cannot goes. squeeze an apple until it explodes. No, I don't, think I I don't have yeah, that kind I of grip strength. And I don't know if they were trying to get her to eat because, you know, she's, mm-hmm. as I said, she's not eating and they, they're giving this to her and she just. <laughs> Yeah, crushes yeah. it. I don't want this. Would have made a great scene in the movie. It would have. Um, so anyways, uh, a priest named uh, Father Rodwick, I, I, I probably butchered that, an expert on exorcisms was convinced that she was possessed. So he talks with the bishop and an exorcism was formally approved. A priest named Father Renz was going to do the exorcism. They begin these exorcisms on September 24th, 1975. This was the first of 67. What? 67. 42 what? of them they recorded. And before we started recording today, I played an excerpt of one yes. from you guys mm-hmm. where she's, you know, she's talking in the guttural voice. And I, I was like, can you guys do the voice? And, we, you know, we were trying to do it. and uh, Evil. Yeah, it was kind yeah. of like, that, and the best we could do was that where Scott kind of sounds <laughs> yeah. like he's got a cold. And the best I could do was like, yeah. but I'm literally yeah, having. really weird when you do that. I know, it makes my face look weird. But I'm like really like, 
it's almost I'm pushing under my throat, but I can't sustain that. Yeah. I can't keep talking that way. Now, what was the time frame for these 67? Uh, oh, like, well, I will get to that. Okay. Um, the first one was in 75. 75, September okay. 24th, 75. Uh, so she's screaming in this guttural voice. She identifies herself as Judas, Nero, Cain, Hitler. Mm. But the one that made them perk up mm-hmm. and say, wait a minute. She identifies herself as Valentine Fleshman. She provided details of the real Fleshman. Now, who was mm. yeah. Fleshman? He was a priest in the 1500s who was kicked out of the church for bad behavior. Mm. Now, when she starts identifying as this man and saying things about this man, these details shock the priests. And they are telling her family, there's no way that she would know these things. So about they knew fleshmen. that what she was saying was correct because the other priests were familiar with the story, but the general public would not have been. No, because he was kicked out of the church. Okay. So we have superhuman strength. Let's go back to oh yeah, aversion to sacred things, mm-hmm. knowledge of hidden things, and what was the other one? Um, uh, uh, Epileptic like mm-hmm. seizures. Yeah. yeah. We are four for four okay. with this with this child. Because when this starts, she's 16, I think. Um, anyways, at this point in time, she's into her early 20s. Okay. That when she first started having the sensation of someone pushing on her chest, I believe she was about 16 years old. But, okay. but now we fast forwarded. We're She's in her early 20s. So she's an adult now. Mm. And and you'll understand why I'm pointing that out here okay. in a minute. In May of 1976, Annalise began banging her head against the wall. She was biting herself and others. At this point, they have to restrain her. She refuses to eat. She weighs about 80 pounds. But they are saying she continued to exhibit strength mm. okay. at being 80 pounds, but still pretty strong. That superhuman level. Yes. Okay. In June of 1976, she is even thinner and running a very high fever, but she is refusing medical care. And that's why I was telling she's an adult. Okay. She can, she refuse, can refuse it. Medical care. Another exorcism was performed Throughout the entire ceremony, she repeatedly begs, please, absolution. Mm. That is heartbreaking. Mm. Heartbreaking. She's under 80 pounds at this point and begging for help. But it's spiritual help. She's Mm. begging for that. She's denying all medical care because at this point she has stopped all of her medication. She is only wanting help from the priests and they are trying to help her. 67 times they tried. Yes. Um, The next morning after this one, her family found her dead in her room. She died of starvation at 23 years old. She weighed 68 pounds. Jeez. That is crazy. Yes. Now, her parents 
Father Rents and Father Alt were all accused of negligent homicide. Mm-hmm. And in 1978, the trial begins. The defense submitted the recordings that I've, I've played a couple for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, eyewitness testimony, and they stated that Annalise had a lawful right to refuse medical treatment. Sure. The court never took possession seriously. They never, they were not buying that. Father Rents says that he did seek medical help near the end when she started running that high fever. And he says he called in Dr. Richard Roth, who came and observed her. And Dr. Roth is going to say she had no visible injuries on her. But Father Rents and her family saying she had several bruises, a swollen cheek, black eyes. And I'm showing you guys a picture Oh, there. yeah, you showed me the picture Does of her black any, eyes. Yeah, you see yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. Does she I mean, have such stuff on her face? She looks... Something's... Yeah, yeah, bruised. Yeah, Yeah, she does. And malnourished. Yes, very much so. Um, Dr. Roth um, said he didn't see anything visibly wrong with her when he went to see her, even though she weighs under 80 pounds. Mm -hmm. And he reportedly told the priest, there are no injections against the devil. Mm. Now, he's going to deny this in court. He's going to deny saying all that and going there and saying all of that. And do in observing all you know all that. Anyways, uh, the autopsy shows healthy brain function and no damage that could have been caused by epileptic seizures. Wow! Nothing. There were no ulcers on her body, which are usually found in starvation victims. So that's what the defense is putting up. Mm-hmm. The prosecution is going to say. She had epilepsy and psychosis, and the parents and the priests were liable for failing to act to save her life. They presented two experts who testified that Father Alt himself exhibited signs of schizophrenia. They also argued that the medication suppressed the epilepsy, and when she stopped taking it, it led to a delusional psychosis. And the exorcisms aggravated this psychosis and played into her fantasies. They also brought to light that she went through phases of, quote, normal behavior, end quote, following some of the exorcisms. The court found them all guilty of negligent homicide. They received six months in prison, and the priest got an additional three years suspension. And they had to pay for all of the court costs. So that's how... Well, I'm not buying that. That ended. She's an adult. She can... No, she, nobody is responsible for you for except her for yourself. medical yeah. care. Yeah. 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 Wow. So that's how that uh, ended. Yeah, I don't... The case of Annalise Michelle. And it's very, very unfortunate because she was described by people who knew her before this happened as, as such a very bright and vibrant and smart young girl. Again, I want to go back to what Katie said, you know, what kind of life she would have had. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But but it is often told, that story is often told that her parents only sought help from the, from the priests mm-hmm. and didn't get her any medical help. But that's quite the contrary. They started... With doctors. Yeah. And it is the doctor that they claim said, go see a priest. Yeah. We don't have anything else for you. Which he denies saying that. I'll just, yeah. you know. 
Strange indeed. A I had strange... no idea where that was going to go today, but that was. I know. I like so that. I was. So we did get to an actual crime. I yeah. had to go around the world to get there, but it's we okay. did get to that. So what do you think? What do you think? It's hard to deny things we can't explain, but what do you think, Scott? I don't. I don't believe it. You don't think she was ever possessed, no. or but you don't think... believe in possession at all. No, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I just I'm not buying that whole thing. Okay, Katie, what do you think? It seems like possession. I mean, it, she I mean, had all four things. All of it in 67? Yeah, 67. Yeah. Now, personally, I'm a firm believer in God. And with that, I also believe in angels and demons. I know some people find this uh, strange because my degrees are in psychology. Mm-hmm. But that's my journey. Uh, I have experienced divine grace and intervention. And on most days when I am smart and humble enough to reflect on it, I am quite blessed. Yeah, so that's that's me personally. All right, but uh, with these particular cases, I guess the question is: Do you believe that there was? What about the boy? What about Ronald? Nope. Ronald even admits I, I wasn't yeah. possessed. But I don't know if Ronald just doesn't want to be the boy who was possessed. He definitely didn't want to be that. But Ronald had some kind of demons as a child because he had something. Because if you uh, behave that way. Why? First of all, why are you behaving that way? Sure, there's some issue. Mm -hmm. And it could have been the death of his Aunt Harriet, and he just, you know, took some sort of (laughs) sabbatical Mm -hmm. uh, and decided, I'm going to behave. You know, he's young. I'm going to behave this way. Life comes at everybody full speed, and people react to it in different ways. It does. Some of this is just extreme, even for mental illness. It is. It's very extreme. Yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to focus on, I don't believe that in the case of Ronald, his family seemed to jump to possession very quickly. Yeah. It often seems like they didn't seek out doctors. Um, but but I would encourage you to read that book, just to be sure, the book by Thomas B. Allen. Um, let me give you that name of the book again. Where was that? I also... Make sure Katie has it for the show notes. Mm-hmm. Possessed, the true story of an exorcism. It's a book from 1993. So it would probably go into a little more detail on that. But I also wanted to focus on Annalise Michelle and that particular book, The Exorcism of Annalise Michelle by Felicitas Goodman. Um, they did seek out medical help yeah. numerous times for years. Before they turn to... And the Catholic Church would do the same if... They would tell you to do the same. Yep. They would tell you to do the same based on everything that I have read Mm -hmm. over the past couple of weeks getting ready for this episode. So... So, if you're out there listening to the show and you think that your, I don't know, maybe your nine-year-old grandson must be possessed because he's running crazy through the kitchen right now, (laughs) take him to the doctor before you take him to church. Well, first I would ask you, how many Dr. Peppers did you let him have? (laughs) Yeah, how much red tie 40 is he consuming? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But definitely it is not something that they quickly jump to, and it is something that has a very specific process. So I definitely wanted to bring that to light. And you can think about the movies that we've seen and what they get right. Um, if you've seen The Pope's Exorcist. Um, I have not, but that's the Russell Crowe film, right? Yeah, Russell Crowe repeatedly tells the folks around there, don't talk to it, don't speak to it. Uh, 
you know he he goes through his religion and he has his uh, certain things that he wears during that and and that's an option um nowhere in the ritual does it say the power of christ compels you which mm. is which is in all the movie phrase in the exorcist yeah but it's not i would say it's not ruled out to say because there are things that they say you can say this and then you may want to add this here you may want to add in so it's that specific about how the steps yeah you may want to add a psalms here or um so i don't think it's not ruled out that you could possibly say that or that a priest might possibly say that so uh, they do get a lot of things right. Uh, there's also another movie on Netflix right now, Deliver Us from Evil, which is the account uh, based loosely on a book that was written by a, um, a cop or a detective who was working in the uh, Bronx, I want to say. Yeah. The Bronx. Who is now, identifies himself as a demonologist and works with a, a local priest to, I mean, he's not in the, police force anymore because of certain things that happened when he was uh, working. Okay. I get a little skeptical of demonologist, I guess. I, I don't, yeah, yeah. I just don't fully understand that calling or profession. Cause yeah. if you can't perform the exorcist, what is your, what is your role? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but he, he works directly with a priest mm-hmm. and they do some uh, rituals and things in the movie where the priest tells him, do not speak to it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are getting that right in a lot of the movies, you know, uh, there's also another documentary on Netflix that I watch, uh, the devil on trial. I'm going to check that out tonight. It's a very, it's about an hour and a half documentary. Yeah, It's not that long. I think it's worth watching. Okay. I'm going to do it. So check it out and see deliver us from evil is an okay movie. It's not great. Yeah, The Devil on Trial was top 10 on Netflix this week, so you you can find Uh, it quick. Mm -hmm. The Pope's Exorcist was very good. Okay. I might need to check that one out. I don't think I've seen that one. Yeah. Coming soon to a streaming service near you if it's not already available. It is. It is. It's on The the one that's in the theater now is... uh, Exorcist the Believer, or The Exorcist Believer. Yeah, yes. Got it. About the two little girls. About the two girls. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's more terrifying than one little possessed girl? (laughs) Two. Two. Yikes. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if I'll see that. I never did see, you know, I saw the first Exorcist, but I never did see the the others after. I remember like seeing the third Exorcist film in the theater uh, when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And I still, one of the most frightening scenes, I'm not even going to tell you, just watch the film. One of the <laughs> most frightening scenes I've ever seen, the most frightened I've ever been at a movie. Hos- the hospital scared scene. the hell out of me. The hospital scene. The hospital scene. scene. Yes. It is that scene. Scared I have the seen that. hell out of me. <laughs> I've seen that scene. And it is uh, one of the top Ugh. people. A lot of people. Nobody think that saw was that coming. Yeah. You got to see the film just to see this three seconds. Because you're going to crack your pants. Yeah, you will crack your pants. <laughs> it's scary. And, you, and then you will know what burnt feces smells like. <laughs> yes, I you thought will. I had seen all those, but this is not ringing a bell. So maybe I haven't uh, seen George that one. George C. Scott is in... The Exorcist Part 3. And it takes place, there's a character who is possessed by the devil, supposedly, but he's in the hospital. Yeah. And so everything that happens in this exorcism takes place in this hospital, Mm -hmm. which leaves many doors open, pun intended, for all kinds of crazy things to happen. Absolutely. And and that's kind of in line with the the actual story, you know, because they say that the the actual, with, with Ronald, happened in a, hospital mm-hmm. so i don't maybe know maybe they took some of that original idea and folded it into hey let's make another film the, the first two were 
yeah. paid off at the box office. Let's well, do I it definitely again. think Peter Blatty did because he was the screenwriter. Right. And so he kept writing, mm-hmm. doing the screenwriting for the, the next okay. few. And so he probably yeah. did take that. I don't know if there are any other books other than the first yeah. book. So I'm sorry, I don't have that information, but that's easily found with a quick Google. But yeah. I'm going to give all of these, um, I've got a lot of references here and I've, I've given you some books to check out. Uh, but the links that I used and the um, documents and things that I used will be on the show notes. And so- um, I never look at the show notes. I assume that you guys know how to work that stuff because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just hit description on the episode. and scroll. Yeah, because a, a okay. lot of those things when I was talking about the exorcist and all the, the tragedies and things that happened, I was quoting directly from some articles from the uh, New York Post and also um, an article from the Washington Post. So I'll make sure and have all of those on there if you want to go and read the entire article and see what it's about. So, uh, that is The Exorcist, uh, fact versus fiction. Hey, I liked it. That was good. I, had, uh, I did not we, know what to expect today, but that was, that was fun. I know. And I hope we, we learned a little something new and I hope that everybody has a safe and happy Halloween. Oh yeah. This, uh, this season. I Enjoy have, yourself. I will have my porch light turned off. I will be hiding in the back of the house. So, uh, <laughs> I don't buy candy and I don't want you embarrassing me by asking me for candy that I don't have. Don't so, I just pretend like I'm not home. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> You're going to be that guy who gives trick-or-treaters a stapler or just some <laughs> random crap from your house. Uh, here's a post-it note, kid. Knock yourself out. Oh, Go make an airplane. No. Uh, oh, and I noticed, uh, I, I texted you guys. We went on Spotify. I did to, to look at our episode list and now they have a thing that is fairly new you guys have told me yep where you can make comments yep even laney has mastered that love it so if you if you're out there go to spotify download it on your phone yep and then go to true crime on easy street yeah and you can say nice things about us and we'll check you out and talk about you on the show and we greatly appreciate it Mm -hmm. is that it are we done we're done good night everybody